0: you're listening to The Promised Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Scott McNamara. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Welcome to The Promised Church. Here's my tea, a very important thing for an English-Irish preacher. I'm glad you guys are with us. I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do this morning. Thank you for joining us wherever you joined us from, England, Ireland, South Africa, wherever, America, wherever you may be. I know my mom is watching because I had this conversation with my mom last week. I said, Mom, I'm going to be speaking on Sunday, so you need to tune in. She's like, I tune in every single week regardless of if you speak. So, you know, that's good to know that my mom is loving the uh, weekly preachers. So I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm excited for what the Lord is going to do this morning. I'm super excited for what's happening next week because we're going to actually get to see each other again. Hello, all our promised family who are watching. I'm looking forward to giving you a big, sorry, not a hug. I'm looking forward to giving you an invisible hug. Uh, But I'm going to pray and I'm going to jump in and believe God is going to do something exciting this morning. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of the gospel. Lord, I just ask you this morning that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to really understand what it means to love you. Lord, I just commit this time to you, Holy Spirit. Just ask you to be in control. We give the room to you. Lord, we ask you that you would do what it is that only you can do. We love you, Jesus, Lord. I pray for everybody watching here. I ask, Lord, that you would touch their hearts. I pray even through the camera right now, Lord, that they would begin to feel a sense of urgency, a sense of excitement about what you're going to do, not only this morning, but about what you're going to do in these coming weeks, Lord. Thank you that the power of the gospel is at work. We love you. We exalt you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Okay, this morning we're going to turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, you will be in trouble when you come back to church. Pastor Aaron and Pastor Jonathan will deal with you if you do not have your Bible right now. Okay, so John 21. Do we have it on the screen? John 21. Maybe we don't, I think we're going to have it in a moment, but just before, here we go. Okay, John 21, 15 to 19 is where we're going to pick it up from. Okay, this is what it says. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you were old, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Now, I just want to give you guys a little backdrop. I love this passage of scripture. The Lord has really been speaking to me through this scripture recently. And I just love it. I mean, I love it for many reasons, but I love it because I love Peter, because I kind of uh, associate a lot of his characteristics with myself, a lot of his flaws, should I say. So here's a quick backdrop. Okay. You had the, uh, super quick, you had the. The trial of Jesus, when Jesus gets arrested in the garden, the whole whole trial of Jesus, what happens? Peter denies Jesus. We all know the story. He denies him three times, okay? Then Jesus dies. He's in the ground for three days. He he comes back to life, and then some of the disciples begin to see him. Mary Magdalene, uh, uh, John, other disciples, Peter. And then what happens is this: Jesus begins to do this really cool kind of uh, this really cool kind of trick, if you like. What he does, he appears in the room. So what he does, he just ignores all doors. Which isn't too good for our ministry, because we like doors. But what Jesus does, he just bypasses doors. He says, we don't, we don't care about doors. And he just comes in, and the next thing you know, he was outside, but now he's inside. And he's hanging out with the disciples. They're like, well, where did you come from? Jesus just appears, and he begins to meet them like this on three occasions. So, imagine the tension here. Peter has gone from denying Christ, I mean, and he didn't just deny him as in, oh, yeah, no, I, no, I don't really follow Jesus. Like, he really went for it. He's like, curse me if I, if I ever knew that man. You know, he really went to town on his denial. And it was three occasions, but it was multiple times on each occasion. And he denied Jesus. So imagine what he's living with, In this moment, yes. So then he's kind of he goes back to his old life, what we would call modern term, backsliding. He goes back to his old life as a fisherman, leaves the ministry, and he's just kind of working away, fishing, feeling guilty, feeling bad about himself. And then suddenly he hears, "Hey, Jesus is back to life." So then one day, what's happening is they're out fishing again. Peter went back to his old life, so he's out fishing, and Jesus meets Peter. Where Peter is at. You see, what's beautiful about Jesus, and I know it's from personal experience, but he doesn't wait for you to go to the temple, to go to church. He doesn't wait for you to be in a holy moment before he'll come and get you. You see, he's a shepherd. And what the shepherd does is he leaves the 99 sheep to go and find that one that got lost. Maybe that's you watching right now. Maybe you're that sheep who, oh yeah, I I knew God and I was close to God. And you know, like Peter, hey, I'll die for you, Jesus. You were all in. And then suddenly something happened and you realize, man, my faith isn't as strong as what I thought it was. Well, this is Peter. And he's in that place and he's out fishing and he sees Jesus, but he doesn't know it's Jesus. There's a guy on the edge, on the shore, and the guy's calling out to him. He says, hey guys, you want to catch fish? Because they've been fishing all night. He says, put the nets on the other side of the boats. You know, these are expert fishermen. They've been fishing all night. Jesus says, no, I tell you the key to fishing, right? And they don't even know it's Jesus. He's just some stranger. The key to fishing, where you're going wrong, you expert fishermen, you got the net on the wrong side of the boat. So uh, anyway, they listen, they, they flip the net over on the other side and they have a catch. It's too great to hold. And then Jesus beckons them out. You know, Peter's the first one to leave that boat. We know another story in the scriptures where Jesus was walking on the water. Peter says, if it is you, Lord, bid me out onto the water. And we know Peter stepped onto the water. It's kind of reminiscent, a beautiful poetic, uh, uh, reminiscent scene here. So Jesus is on the shore. and The disciples are telling him, I think it's Jesus. So what does Peter do? He just jumps out of that boat and he runs straight to Jesus. The first one there, Peter was often like that, wasn't he? He was impulsive. He was the first one in, in the action. As we know, like when he chopped the ear off of Malchus, off off the, uh, the Roman soldier. So there he is anyway. So he runs towards Jesus. Now what's going through his mind in this moment? many things, I'm sure. He's thinking, you know, I want to see him. I want to be with him. I want to one-on-one time with him. Uh, but imagine all the, the three previous occasions when Jesus did the bypassing the door thing and appeared in the room. Imagine those occasions. You know, there's a group of disciples. Peter, you know, he didn't have that time with Jesus alone. What's going through his mind? He's like, I feel, I feel guilty. You know, what's he going to say to me? Well, here's the moment. They have breakfast. We read in the scripture that Jesus makes them breakfast. I mean, that's quite cool. They get out the boat. There's Jesus with the, with the fish, the bread. He's got the fire going. And he's like, come on, join me. So they have breakfast, again, corporately together. And then it happens. Jesus says this. He says, come, I want to have a little chat, me and you. So he calls him over, away from all the lads. And they have this little private moment. This is the moment that Peter, I guess in a sense had been dreading. Another part of him had been looking forward to it. It's the moment where it's the culmination where of all that had happened in the past was coming to a head. It's kind of like a kid getting brought to the uh, principal's office. Yeah, You're like, man, you know you've done wrong. And, and now it's like, you know, showdown moment. So Peter, he stands there with Jesus and Jesus addresses him. What does he say? He says, Simon, Peter. Now, this is bad for Peter. You see, Jesus had changed his name from Simon to Peter. And now he goes back. He reverts back to the old name before he knew Jesus. Uh, and it's almost like for Peter, he's probably thinking, man, he's, you know, he's, he's kind of calling out the past. He's calling out what I've done. So he's already thinking, man, this is getting bad. So he sits him down. He says, Simon, Peter. But what I love about Jesus is this. And I know because I'd been someone who'd uh, what we would call backslidden. What I love about Jesus is this. He sits Peter down. And if I was Peter, I'd be expecting the kind of, why did you do this? You know, the the finger pointing, you were weak in in your faith. You told me you would die for me. Look what you did. I'd be expecting that. But he didn't get that. You know what he got? What he got is what Jesus always gives, which is a a quote or a, a word that touches right to the heart. You see, Jesus doesn't care about what you do on the outside. He doesn't look at your church attendance. He's looking at your heart if your church attendance comes from a heart that's right that's great and he applauds that but if you're going to church or if you're praying or if you're giving tithes or or giving to charity whatever you're doing if your heart's not right by the lord then i'm telling you right now he's not happy so what does he do he cuts straight through it all and he says this simon peter do you love me he doesn't mention anything about the past, the denial. Hey, what about when you, you deny me in front of a little girl? I mean, come on, Peter. You know, do, we, do you not love me more than that? Am I not worth more than that? He doesn't address any of that. Why? Because God chooses to forget our sins. He chooses to cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that incredible? For me, that's incredible. I've done some things I'm not proud of, knowing that God says, I'm not even going to remember. And I believe it was one of those moments where Jesus says, hey, I'm going to choose to not even remember this moment. So he sits him down, he says, do you love me? Now you may say, hey, I thought Jesus was God. So, so like, why is he asking, does he not know all things? Doesn't God know everything? Why did Jesus have to ask him if he loved them? Surely he knew. Correct, he did. And I just want to revert back to another scripture just to answer that question. If we look in uh, Genesis Genesis 3.9, we read the story of Adam and Eve. You, got, you guys will all know, I'm sure. The story, just to give you a quick overview, so what happens is Adam and Eve are left in the garden. God says there's only one tree that you can't eat the fruit of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Anything else you can touch, have a great day, just don't touch this one tree. So we know what happened, obviously they touched the one tree. Blame Eve. So Eve took the apple, apple, I like apples. She took the apple and she ate the apple. Okay. So in this moment, sin entered the human heart. And what happened? God... He's walking through the garden. And what does he say? He says, Adam, where are you? Now, did God know where Adam was? Of course he did. But you see, Adam needed to hear that more than God needed to say. Where are you? Where are you? What he was doing, he was shining a flashlight into the soul of Adam. And I will do the same to you this morning. I believe Jesus would say to you this morning, where are you? Maybe you're doing good with God on the outside. Maybe you look good, you know what I mean? You've got the perfect marriage. You've got the 2.4 kids with the white picket fence. You've got a nice car. The job's going good. You attend church on Sundays in normal circumstances. But where are you? Where's your heart? Because what he's looking for is hearts that love him. So what he did, he shone this light. Jesus shone the light in Peter's heart. And he said, do you love me? And what's beautiful about this, I mean, to us, it doesn't mean a whole lot, but when we dig deeper, it means a lot. Let me tell you why. In in the Greek language, there were five different words uh, for the word love. In English, we have this. We say, hey, I love the camera. I love Pastor Aaron's hairstyle. I love Pastor Aaron's beard. I love Pastor Aaron's car. I just, I just love Pastor Aaron, let's be honest. But, you know, I could say I love this, I love that. You know, there's a lot of things we love. I love the dinner my wife made for me last night. But, I mean, it is not like that in the Greek. Why? Because the Greek's beautiful, a beautiful language that enables us to really decipher the meaning behind the word. So there are five key words to define love. But there are two major ones. I'm going to tell you what those are. Uh, philio. Which means, to, like, to love as a brotherly love uh, in a friendship kind of way, and then agape, which is a divine, unconditional, uh, "I'll do anything for you." It's kind of like what God uh, so loved man when He gave His Son—that kind of love, you know. So Jesus here addresses Peter, and this is important to know. Jesus addresses Peter and He says, "Do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me?" And, she, and Peter replies this. I filio you. Peter says, I love you as a friend, as a brother. So Jesus asks him a second time, do you agape me? And Peter again the second time replies, I filio you. I love you as a friend and as a brother. The third time, Jesus asks him. This time he doesn't use the word agape. This time Jesus is saying this. He's saying, okay, so do you love me? As a brother, is that what you're telling me? You love me like a brother. And Peter was wounded. Peter was hurt through this because he realized the state of his heart. You see, what Jesus does beautifully is he has a way of shining that flashlight in our soul and making us see really what's in there. Because the danger in this walk with jesus is that we kid ourselves the danger is that we put a mask on and we go through christianity and everything's great and i love jesus and hallelujah we put our hands up at the right times or we give hugs in the right moments but all the time your heart's far from god so i believe he would ask you today where are you and do you agape me that's what he really wants And Peter, in this moment, is kind of like this revelation moment. He realizes, man, I don't think... You know, I want to love you, but, but I don't want to say that I do because I, I said that before. You know, hey, I'll die for you, Jesus. Peter was the, the one in the front of the charge. I'm going to go anywhere for you. I will die for you. I don't care what it costs. The cost is, I will pay that cost. I will count that cost. He'd already been there and he got wounded. So now he's back in this moment. Jesus, says, do you love me? And I believe he did love Jesus, but he was in a position where he's like, I don't want to say it because I did that before. So he says, well, I, I love you. I, I want you. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus says this, feed my lambs. You see, I believe this. I believe all that the Lord is looking for is to know that you really love him. Why? Because if you love him, you'll love others. What are the two great commandments? Love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor. I don't have a complicated message this morning. I'm a simple guy. I'm an evangelist. I love God and I love people. But what I want to do, I want to try and show you how the scripture it is so much more than just a do you love me, do you love me? Because the Lord's been really revealing it to me, you know. God's been bringing me back in this season to what matters, to what's important, to not speaking at this event or, or not, you know, doing this or hanging with this person, but whatever it may be, the Lord's been bringing me back to the simple place. Will you love me? And will you love the guy at the grocery store? Will you love the guy who's pumping gas over there? Will you love the guy who works in the coffee shop? Not just, oh yeah, I love that guy. God bless you. I mean, we can all say that. Hey, Jesus loves you, man. I love you, brother. But do we really love? Do we really love? Because the reason I believe Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? The reason he went so deep Before he said, feed my lambs. is because if he's going to trust you with his lambs, then he's got to know that he can count on you. And I want to tell you this. If you don't love him, you won't be able to love others. I mean really love others. There is a great cost that comes from loving people. Feed my lambs. What was Jesus talking about? He was talking about new believers. His lambs are the baby sheep. Now the lambs, they are most vulnerable than all of the sheep. They're most likely to get themselves into trouble. They're most likely to get snatched by wolves. They're the ones who are most vulnerable. They are his babies. They're his treasured possession. You know, the scriptures in the New Testament talks about Jesus says this. He says, if you deceive, if you cause one of my new believers to sin, it is better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and, and throw yourself in the sea. That is how precious his baby lambs are to him. And what he says is this. He says, Peter, if I know that you love me, then I'm going to give you my my new believers. I'm going to give you my baby lambs. Now, Peter's not the good shepherd. That's Jesus, okay? So Jesus, the good shepherd, is saying, I'm going to entrust you with my sheep. I mean, that's a a big responsibility. I'm going to give you those that I love the most. I just need to know your heart's right. And I'm going to give you those that you love the most. And that's what he did. He said, I'm going to give you my church. Now, I believe this. I believe baby believers, mature believers, as Jesus goes on to say, now feed my sheep. He begins with the lambs and then he, begins with the, and then he uh, moves on to the sheep. He didn't just say feed them. He said, tend to my lambs, tend to my sheep. What does that mean? It means more than just giving them a word every week. It means more than just delivering a sermon every week. It means opening your life and saying, come on in. It means saying, come on into my home, come on into my life, come on into my family. It means laying your life down to do what Jesus did with his disciples. You see, Jesus had modeled to Peter the same thing he was now asking him to do. Jesus doesn't say something without first modeling it. What did Jesus do with his 12 disciples? He lived with them. He ate with them. They they slept in the same place. They walked together for hours. He modeled what life was every single day. Should we expect any less? I believe God is calling us in this season and I believe we're about to step into a season of breakthrough, but I believe the Lord is looking for people whose hearts are ready to love him and to love others. Because I want to tell you this, we can do all the other things, all the other church things, but unless your heart is laid down and surrendered, not only to him, but to others, then what does it matter? So I want to challenge you this morning. If you're a believer watching this, I want to encourage you. You could have all these grand dreams for God. You could be like, I want to do this. I want to achieve this. I want to go here. But I encourage you, just look at the, look at the simple things. Look at the, uh, the basics. You know, I have a friend, he says to me, when, when I came to the Lord, he discipled me. He said, Scott, be the best basics Christian you can be. Just be the best at the basics. Pray every day, read your scriptures, love people, be the best basics Christian you can be. Some of us, we're looking too far beyond that we miss what is right in front of us. We're looking to do all these great things and accomplish all these great things for God, but we're missing what he's placed in our community. We're missing what he's placed on our doorstep. We won't even laugh because we're looking to dream. You know, once I was in, in my church, my home church back in Ireland and I met this guy and he came along, he, he came from Wales and he came to join my church and he said, uh, we we're at this big conference and everybody's excited. He said, Scott, he said, the Lord's spoken to me uh, and the Lord's told me to go and buy a big bus, like a big double decker bus, we call them, buy a big bus and take that bus into the worst projects, the worst estates in the, in the whole community. And he, he kind of was sharing this vision with me and he says, what do you think? and he's all excited so I paused for a moment and I thought about it and I said I said sounds great but while you're waiting on your bus why don't you go on your bike or if you don't have a bike why don't you just use your feet now I wasn't trying to be offensive I was just logically the way my mind works is why sit there for two years praying for a bus while people are perishing why don't you just go with what you have yeah why don't you use, use what you have So he turned around to me and he was very, very offended at that comment. So much so that the the guy just remained offended with me. Why am I telling you? I'm telling you that because we can have all these grand dreams and all these things that we want to do in the future. When I get here, I'm going to do this for God. When I get my own ministry, I'm going to do this for God. When I meet this person and they connect me with this person, I'll do this for God. Forget all that stuff. Do you love me? Do you agape me? Then feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Go and love people. Just go and love people. That is what the Lord is calling us to in these days. And I believe it is a great privilege and responsibility. But it hurts. You see, the reason that Jesus had to go deep with Peter is because he knew the cost. Why are our, why are our believers not, not living a lifestyle where they open their homes, they open their lives to bring strangers in, to bring people in. But why are we not laying down our li- Why are we not uh, financially investing in strangers' lives? Why are we not uh, opening up our homes? Why are we not counting the cost to love new believers and to lead people to Jesus? Because the cost is too great. I know from my life, and, and uh, when me and my wife were in Ireland, we opened up our home and our lives. For three years, we laid down our lives to bring in new believers. And some of those new believers that were closest to us hurt us the most. Now, I don't believe they, were, they they intended to do it, but Satan got in and Satan often does get in. And you see, those that are most precious to the Lord, the Satan like a wolf feel like to try and take that baby lamb. And we had people that we laid down our lives to love. All we ever did, me and Jay, all we ever did was love them. And they came to a place where they hated us. They were offended over something very small. And their hearts became darkened and blackened towards us. And they wouldn't even speak to us again. These people would lay down our very lives for. That hurts. That stings. How can you keep going when people treat you that way? If you don't really love him. Just last month I was at home and I was going through a difficult phase, a difficult season and you know we, we do the same at the moment with our new believers group. We love people unconditionally. We will love them with our very lives. Uh, I've been going through some tough stuff. Some of our guys have been struggling in different areas and, uh, and the devil have been coming at me in, in all angles and I was struggling. I was hurting. And and I I went home after our New Believers group one week and it was a real tough, real tough group because there was just people were were struggling and drifting from the Lord and all kinds of stuff going on. And I got home and I was like, why do I keep doing it? I keep opening up my life transparently to love others and then they just hurt me. Why do I do it? And as I'm thinking this, my my dishwasher begins to flood and it's flooding my whole kitchen floor. It's just like one thing after another. And I'm like, Lord, why do I, why am I doing it to me? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Scott, you're not doing it to you. You're doing it for me. You see, if we don't love him, we'll never really go the distance to love others. Sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it's going to sting. Sometimes you're going to think I've just wasted this. What have I just done? I've invested so much. The apostle Paul himself, he said, I fear that all my efforts have, have come to waste He went through the same thing. He poured himself into baby lambs, into these baby believers and many left and many turned away and followed other gods and and walked away from the faith. But why did he do it? He did it because he loved. And I want to share a quick story with you guys about how this practically worked for me. I was, um, about eight, eight, nine months ago, I was in a a mall in Vancouver Mall and I stopped this gentleman. The Lord told me to, to go and talk to him and I, led him to Jesus and we met him and his wife the next day, me and my wife who went to the cafe, met them and and they came to our new believers group for a couple of weeks and, and then what we decided to do is we decided to give them our car. We thought, hey, let's give them our car, and then they can use it for a little while, and they can kind of get themselves back into. But in between this time, these guys were struggling uh, with, uh, with crystal meth addiction, and they basically ended up going away from the Lord and taking our car with with them. So they ended up sleeping in the car, using drugs in the car, all kinds of stuff. And then one Saturday, I couldn't get a hold of them. And one Saturday, we got a phone call um, from uh, Pastor Casey, whose car that, that he actually gave us the car, and it was in his name. And he said. Got the sheriff has called and said this car has been abandoned on the side of the road in Vancouver. So me and my buddy Jake we go and we we go to the car and we find a lady sat in the car drinking beer with all needles all over the car. Now that was a that was a difficult moment. You see, the safe moment, well, the safe safe bet would have been not to love these people in that way to love them from my armchair to love them from behind closed doors but not let them in too close because then they can hurt me so in that moment we go and we find them in the back of the tent they're in the tent in the garden and they're all strung out on drugs and uh, and not making any sense so we take the car and we go back home for a number of months I hear nothing I try to message this couple I try to message the guy I'm, I'm trying to reach out but nothing I'm just trying to love and then one day the Holy Spirit speaks to me and he just drops their name into my mind. The same day, that, young, that gentleman, he's not so young, but uh, Jojo, he messages me, he says, will you help us? So I reached out again and I helped them. But the cost was still there because I thought, what if they hurt me again? What if I lay down my life again only to be hurt But I can't make that call, you see. I'm called to love him and to love them, no matter the consequences for me. That's what real love looks like. So I brought them back and we got them in a motel. And and our church helped put them in a motel for three days until they got accepted into a rehab. And... uh, I want to bring my friends up so you guys can meet them. I like to keep this thing real. I like it to see real faces and real people. Uh, so Jojo and Bridget, I want you guys to come, I want you guys to come up so they can, uh, the beautiful people watching can meet you. And I just want these guys to just, I'm just going to ask them quickly uh, how this thing works from their position. So this is Bridget, say hi. Hello. Hello. So tell these guys, how many days clean are you now? 79. 79. 79. 79 days. 79 days clean. Come on. God is good. And they are looking very beautiful. Let me add. 79 days clean. Mm -hmm. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus Jesus can do that, huh? And these guys have four kids. They've lost their four kids, but the Lord is repairing that. And uh, they've got contact with their kids and it's looking extremely likely in the not too distant future that they will have their kids back. God is working a miracle in your family. Now, God has totally turned around and transformed their lives. But it only happened because I was prepared to love him and to love others. And I'm only saying this because I want you to see that it has to to have a practical element to it. You see, I'm being honest and I'm being vulnerable. That I've been through seasons where I've been hurt. Where people that I've loved have hurt me. But it always comes back to this. Do you agape me? It always comes back to, if you agape me, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. If you want to please Jesus, then feed his lambs. Tend his lambs. Tend his his sheep. Because I believe there are so many more Jojo and Bridgetts out there. There are so many more people like these guys who are just waiting to be loved. And all they need is love. Love. You see, you don't have to be an evangelist with a degree in theology or or a pastor in order to love people. All you have to do is be someone who says, Jesus, I agape you. All you have to do is be an individual who says, I'm going to be willing to lay down my life to love another. So my challenge to you today is, will you love him and will you love others? The cost is great, but the rewards are greater. The Holy Spirit showed me, and I'll just close with this. The Holy Spirit showed me once a vision. When I first came to the Lord, I had a cost to count. I was in a boy band, I had blonde, flowing locks. And music was my dream, writing songs, it being in the music industry. That was all I, I kind of wanted and all I was living for. And I came to know Jesus and he spoke to me one day. He said, I want you to leave your band. Walk away from it. Now, it was my, my best friends in, 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 my whole, in the whole world. The guys I'd grown up with, we were inseparable, closest to friends. It wasn't just leaving a band. It was leaving my inner circle, my friendship circle. It was walking away from everything I'd ever known. And I sat there one day, I got a job and I was sat there in the cubicle five days, Monday to Friday, every afternoon in my lunch break, I sat there weeping because it was so hard to give up this to Jesus. And on the fifth day was a Friday and I I go home and I'm praying and in my prayer closet I see a vision, I see a man who I know is Jesus and he was in a desert and all I could see was his back and he was just stood there and all I could see was his back. Vast, empty desert, nothing else. And on the other picture, I saw champagne corks popping. I saw uh, celebration. I saw record deals. I saw all, all, this, uh, all this kind of achievement that was possible. And I saw these two pictures. And the Lord spoke to me, said, pick one. You choose one. And I saw, uh, as soon as I saw it laid out like that, I said, of course, I choose you and I chose that and I left my band it was probably the hardest decision I've ever made as a Christian but I left that band I walked away from that band you know my band went on to support Brian Adams on tour and different things like that but I chose Jesus and I know that I made the right decision but sometimes in life there are going to be decisions that are going to cost you you see what Jesus asked Peter right at the beginning he said this he said come follow me what was Peter doing? he was a fisherman He said, come follow me, leave your nets, leave your fish, leave your trade, come follow me and fish for men. Forget fishing for fish, I'm going to take your fish for men. What was he saying? Leave your fishing trade, I'm going to make you an evangelist. And he did it just like that. Many others left, many others came to follow Jesus, many, many. Thousands were following him. The feeding of the 5,000, there was thousands who followed Jesus. But as they kept walking, the cost got greater. Jesus said this. He said, eat my body and drink. Sorry, uh, he said, drink my blood and eat my body, eat my flesh. You know what they said? This is a strange teaching. This teaching is too hard to follow. And many disciples left him. You see, the further you go on this journey, on this walk of faith, the harder it's going to get. The cost is going to be greater. The reward will be greater for sure, but the cost will be greater. So Jesus needs to know, do you love me? we're not promising you sunshine and rainbows but I've followed Jesus for 19 years and I want to tell you this that I wouldn't change it for anything not for one thing because to know him more is the reward and at times it gets tough for sure but he's with you in those tough times so we're not going to make it out like it's something it's not because I want to tell you this when Jesus said come follow me to Peter that's how it began but do you know how it ended? It ended on a cross, being crucified upside down. You see, the more you walk, the cost will get greater. And I love what Jesus says here. I love what he says to Peter. He says this. He says, when you are old, if we can have that scripture back, when you are old, you'll be taken by the hand and you'll be led by the hand. You will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Now we know what it's talking about. We read there that Jesus is referring to the death in which Peter will glorify God, crucifixion. Because Peter asked to be crucified upside down. He said, I don't feel worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus. But I believe it's referring to something else. I believe what Jesus is saying is this. You have one shot, one chance. While you are young you have a chance. While you are able to go where you want to go, you have a chance to live for me. You're going to get to a point when you're old and people will take you where you don't want to go. You will be led by others because you can't lead yourself anymore. I don't believe this is just for crucifixion. I believe this is the Lord saying to him, you have a moment right now. You have a chance in your life to live for me, to love me and to love others. Will you do it and will you do it well? And I believe the same challenge is extended to you this morning. You have a chance. I have a healthy body. I have have things that I can do for God. But I'm going to get to the age where where I won't be able to do these things anymore. And I don't want to look back and say, man, I wish I had a lift for God. I wish I had gone and shared the gospel. I wish I had gone and done that for Jesus. You have a chance to do it now. What What is he asking you to do? He's asking you to love him and to love others and to lay down your life. Will you do it for him? Ultimately, that is what everything hinges upon here. He's inviting you in to this beautiful opportunity. So I want to pray for you. But the first thing I want to do, because my heart burns as an evangelist, is to invite you to meet Jesus. I met a couple last week, last Sunday, a week ago today. Me and Jay were having a a time with Bridget and Jojo. Just a little mental time, just going through some issues, just really... Uh, laying things out on the table. It was kind of honest and raw. And at the same time, uh, this couple came to, uh, to fix our dishwasher. And in that moment, it was a bit of tension. I'm like, what do I do? Do I stop do I stop? The, take my hat off and stop doing the Christian thing because I don't want to uh, you know, make it uncomfortable for the dishwasher people uh, and this kind of tension. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. So we did exactly what we did. And this couple who were applying our dishwasher, they were looking over because it was super close to each other. And they were listening. And at the end, I said, hey, could I ask you a question? Have you ever seen this picture and do you ever pray? And the gentleman turned around. He said, you stopped me in Walmart a few months ago me and my wife, you stopped us in Walmart. I said, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't recognize you. I do stop a lot of people. And and they said, yeah, after you stopped me, then Jeffrey stopped me. And I said, that's great. How did it go? How did the conversation go? How far did we get with the door opening? And we had this conversation and the gentleman said, he said, well, I, I didn't really stick around because, you know, it's not really my thing. <clears throat> so I began to share with them a little. I said, can we pray for you? Now, by this time, another one of our new believers, Tim, he had come into the house also. So we had Jojo, Bridget, and Tim, three new believers, with a couple who were fitting a dishwasher. Uh, a guy and his fiance fitting a dishwasher who were from the woodland area, who said, Actually, I know a whole bunch of people from the Promised Church. So I said, Would it be okay if we prayed for you? And he said, Yeah, that's okay. So I got my guys around and we laid hands on this couple in our kitchen and we prayed for them. And the Holy Spirit touched them and the Holy Spirit gave me a word. For this gentleman's fiance. And the first thing he said is this. How did you know that about her? And I was able to explain that I know Jesus and he knows you. And it was beautiful. Jojo and Bridget shared their testimony. Tim gave words of how God had spoke to him. And this couple really got impacted. So much so that uh, the wife anyway wants to come to our new believers group next week. I'm not talking about doing anything extraordinary. I'm just talking about doing what you can in your community. So I want to ask you this. If you don't know Jesus here this morning, I want to pray for you. I want you just to switch off right now. Switch off from what's going on around you. Just ignore the people around you. If you need to take yourself off in a private room, I encourage you to go and do that right now. This is a moment where Jesus is going to make himself real to you. And he's not going to say, do you love me? Do you love me? He's going to say this, I agape you. I agape you, I agape you. So right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you for your presence to fall in this room and in the rooms of every individual watching this right now. I ask your Holy Spirit for the tangible fire of your Holy Spirit to move in this place right now. I ask you, Lord, that every man, woman, and child would be moved by your spirit. I thank you, Jesus, that you're there. I thank you that you're there with them. I thank you you know every hair on their head. Thank you that you knit them together in their mother's womb. You carved them on your hand. You're acquainted with all their ways. You know everything about them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you say, I love you, I love you, I love you. I agape you. Holy Spirit, touch them right now in Jesus' name. Let them feel your presence. I want to ask you this right now, as I often do. I want to show you this image Jesus knocking on the door of your heart but the handle's on the inside only you can let him in do you pray? because praying is like talking through the door you know he's there somewhere but you don't know him personally it's time to open you've been praying for a long time but you don't know him personally imagine you've got a backpack on your back we fill it with all your sins would it be heavy? Even the most holy of you, wherever you live, you acknowledge you've sinned, yeah? That back represents your debt with God and it stops you having a relationship with him. He wants to come in and take it off. If you owed the bank $10,000, I gave you a check, knocked at your door in the next hour and gave you a check for $10,000. You deposit the check in your account, your debt's gone. And that's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He wrote you a check, not in a pen. It was signed in his blood, it cost him everything. That's how much he loves you. And he's standing right now in front of you, wherever you are, wanting you to cash it in. So I want to ask you right now, if Jesus were there right now, in front of you, would you let him in? If you felt something inside when I prayed for you, uh, you felt tingling, you felt your heart racing, you felt a warmth, you felt a change in the atmosphere, that is God. That is Jesus right now in front of you and he's saying, let me in. If you believe that then I want you to pray with me. All you need is faith enough to believe he's there right now. But there's one thing, just before I do that, one last thing. You're on a road of life going this way without Jesus. He says, turn around, change direction, come follow me. If you want to follow him, he wants you to follow him. He's been pursuing you. He's been chasing you down. He is the hound of heaven and he's been coming after you. This is not a coincidence that you're watching this morning. It's not a coincidence that you're feeling this right now. I see a young lady in her 20s crying right now as you watch this. And I feel that God has brought you back to this place of vulnerability. I encourage you, let those tears flow. Don't worry about your husband in the room. Let your tears flow. This is a good moment. I want you to pray with me. If you want Jesus, you say with me. Say, Jesus. I open the door of my heart. I say sorry for my sins. I choose to follow you. I make you the Lord of my life. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now if you prayed. I want you to uh, reach out to us. I want you to let us know messages on Facebook, YouTube, whatever it may be. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, we want to hear from you because we want to get around you. We want to encourage you. We're here for you as a family. For those who are believers, I want to challenge you this morning. Do you really agape him? Because if you do, it looks like, A healthy marriage. It looks like a healthy family. It looks like friendships that are solid. It looks like accountability. It looks like opening your life up to others. Get right with God. And don't let the devil snatch you away like he so wants to do. God bless you guys.